0: Welcome to the election ride home for Friday, November eighth, twenty nineteen. I'm your host, Chris Higgins, with a summary of election news today. Bloomberg files paperwork to maybe, probably, maybe, probably enter the race. A Steyer aide allegedly offered to pay for endorsements in Iowa. The Trump impeachment stuff in three minutes or less. Sessions is running for his old Senate seat officially, and highlights from the Weather Channel's Climate Forum. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up today, let's talk about Michael Bloomberg and his possible run for president. Bloomberg is the former mayor of New York City. He has a net worth estimated at more than $50 billion. And he is, I guess, obviously, the founder of the various Bloomberg services. That includes the financial service and the magazine that both bear his name. At times, he has switched parties, but he is currently a Democrat. So here's what has everybody flipping out. Bloomberg filed paperwork today in Alabama to be on its primary ballot. Today happens to be the deadline to file that paperwork, so if you don't file by today, you're not getting any primary votes in Alabama. Okay, so why did Bloomberg do this, and does it mean he's definitely running? Well, to answer that second question first, not necessarily. But it definitely means he's keeping his options wide open. Because Alabama has such an early deadline for filing, if Bloomberg had not gone ahead and filed there today, he would not have had the full opportunity to jump into the race later on. Oh yeah, and yesterday, according to a New York Times story by Alexander Burns, Bloomberg called up a bunch of notable Democrats and told them he's probably running for president. One example of that is that Bloomberg called former Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. Reading from the Times, quote, Mr. Reid said in a brief interview that Mr. Bloomberg had not explicitly said he was running for president, but that the implication of the call had been clear. It wasn't just to wish me a good weekend, Mr. Reid said, end quote. Yep, so with this confluence of events, either Bloomberg enters the race real soon, or this is the biggest fake-out in recent political history. Now, what would it mean for this particular candidate to join the Democratic primary right now? Well, let's turn again to the Times for a very pointed explanation. Quote, Should Mr. Bloomberg proceed with a campaign, it could cause a seismic disruption to the democratic race. With his immense personal wealth, centrist views, and close ties to the political establishment, he would present an instantaneous threat to former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr., who has been struggling to raise money and is already defending his ideologically moderate base on multiple fronts. Mr. Bloomberg, 77, initially bowed out of the 2020 race because of Mr. Biden's apparent strength, but he has grown skeptical that Mr. Biden is on track to win the Democratic nomination, and he does not see the two leading liberals in the race, Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and Bernie Sanders of Vermont, as strong candidates for the general election. End quote. Okay, so that's pretty clear. This would be Bloomberg trying to drive straight into Biden's lane and push him out of the way. Now, would that work? Well, that remains a big question mark. Bloomberg faces a series of challenges, some of which he can easily overcome, given the combination of immense wealth and political connections that he already has. First, the filing deadlines for some really important primaries are next week. So, for instance, the New Hampshire primary, which is a huge deal, has a deadline to file one week from today. Bloomberg would need to swoop in both there and in Arkansas just to be sure he could get on the ballot in those states. Next up, of course, he would need to get the attention of primary voters and attempt to get into the DNC debates. Because of the debate requirements, we've already seen one billionaire launch himself into those pretty rapidly. That's Tom Steyer, of course. But I don't think it's mathematically possible for Bloomberg to show up in this month's debate, given that he just can't meet the polling thresholds. There's not enough calendar time to run more polls. So, at best, he would start appearing in DNC debates in December, and to do that, he would need to meet a high polling bar within roughly the next month. He would also need to pick up 200,000 donors, but as we've seen with Steyer, that is clearly doable with lots of ad spending. Now, to do that in the span of a month? I can only imagine that Bloomberg would have to blanket the world with advertising. But he is uniquely positioned to do exactly that. Now, here's the thing. Bloomberg might also be able to get those polls for December, given his existing standing with voters. It would be tough, but it is possible he would need 4% or higher in four polls, or 6% or higher in two early state polls. Reading again from the Times, Quote, A Fox News poll found in late October that Mr. Bloomberg would face more opposition than enthusiasm at the outset of a primary campaign. Presented with Mr. Bloomberg as a hypothetical entrant into the primary, 6% of Democratic primary voters said they would definitely support him, while 32% said they would never vote for him. End quote. For the record, that's a national poll putting him at 6% and he wasn't even running. A lot of people know who Bloomberg is, or at least recognize his name from his companies. So Bloomberg would be heading into this thing with nearly infinite money, good name recognition, and a centrist position. Many Democratic primary candidates today took to Twitter to basically tell him some combination of, please don't run, or we'll beat you anyway, so bring it on. So bottom line, this has not happened yet. Bloomberg is not yet on my spreadsheet of 17 major candidates. But if he does run, he would immediately be a massive factor in the Democratic primary. And obviously, he knows that. And I expect to hear some kind of official announcement on this within a matter of days, maybe even by the time you hear this. Next up, the Steyer campaign has had its second scandal in just one week. Steyer's campaign aide Pat Murphy has apologized for what he called miscommunication about some contact he had with politicians in Iowa. Okay, what were they miscommunicating about? Well, the allegation is that Murphy was offering campaign funding from Steyer to Iowa politicians specifically in exchange for local endorsements. Reading from an Associated Press article by Alexandra Jaffe, quote, A top-8 Democratic presidential candidate Tom Steyer in Iowa privately offered campaign contributions to local politicians in exchange for endorsing his White House bid, according to multiple people with direct knowledge of the conversations. The overtures from Pat Murphy, a former state House speaker who is serving as a top advisor on Steyer's Iowa campaign, aren't illegal. Though, payments for endorsements would violate campaign finance laws if not disclosed. There is no evidence that any Iowans accepted the offer or received contributions from Steyer's campaign as compensation for their backing. But the proposals could revive criticism that the billionaire Steyer is trying to buy his way into the White House. Several state lawmakers and political candidates said they were surprised Steyer's campaign would think he could purchase their support. end quote. After the AP story ran, Steyer was immediately asked for comment. His comment was, quote, "We haven't given any money to anyone in Iowa, nor are we planning to. There's no way we would ever do that." End quote. Steyer's press secretary confirmed that, saying Steyer has made no individual contributions within Iowa and doesn't have any plans to do so within the year. The Election Ride Home is sponsored today by Mac Weldon. Now listen up, I do a lot of work in the yard I can tell you, ya, yard work can get stinky. Well, here comes Mack Weldon to the rescue. They make men's underwear and shirts out of fabric that is naturally antimicrobial. Translation, it eliminates odors. Of course, I wanted to test this out, so I bought a bunch of this antimicrobial underwear and shirts, plus a pair of sweatpants. I put the combo on and went out in the yard to saw up tree limbs and do my normal routine. At the end, yeah, I'll admit it, I did a sniff test. And guess what? This stuff really works, especially the underwear. It does not smell. I've been so happy with my Mac Weldon outfits that I went back and bought more. I like the t-shirts especially. The fabric feels great. And in fact, every item of clothing I am wearing right now is made by Mac Weldon. That means one set of clothing works great for both podcasting and heavy lifting. It just don't get that every day from other brands. With Mack Weldon, that's quality you can count on. I want you to try this out for yourself. Try the silver underwear. If you're not happy with your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they'll send you a refund, no questions asked. For 20% off your first order, visit macweldon.com and enter the promo code ELECTION. Once more, that's MacWeldon.com. promo code ELECTION for 20% off your first order. My thanks to MacWeldon for sponsoring today's Election Ride Home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the impeachment news in three minutes or less. Today, it will be much less. First up, we have a pretty solid timeline for the House inquiry and when it will wrap up. Long story short, the House intends to vote on articles of impeachment in the first few weeks of December. This means the process is speeding along, full tilt, and House Democrats are aiming to get everything out of the way as soon as humanly possible despite the various holiday-related recesses coming up. Next, we have some details on the specifics of what President Trump wanted Ukraine's President Zelensky to say in exchange for releasing that military aid and getting a meeting. This comes from testimony by George Kent, who is a State Department official dealing with Ukraine policy. Apparently, there were three key words that Trump wanted to hear. Those words were, Investigations, Biden, and Clinton. And late last night, the House issued an actual subpoena to Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney to appear today at 9 a.m. Of course, he did not show up. Meanwhile, the House released transcripts of the testimony from both Fiona Hill and Lt. Col. Alexander S. Vindman today. As I say these words, they've just been released, so I don't have any cool details for you yet. Another key detail that I didn't cover earlier this week is that Republicans are planning to reshuffle some key members on the relevant committees related to impeachment. This would have to happen soon, like this weekend, basically, but it is a strategy to put certain lawmakers in those rooms, on those committees, so they can get into the back and forth when people come in for public testimony. Now, one of those key lawmakers is Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. A new lawsuit filed yesterday accuses Jordan of ignoring sexual misconduct in the mid-1990s while he was an assistant coach at Ohio State University. To be super clear, Jordan himself is not accused of any sexual misconduct. The allegation at hand has to do with whether he knew about the misconduct by others and if he did, whether he followed appropriate procedures. I would expect that this lawsuit will not prevent Jordan from being a key public figure in the public proceedings beginning next week. And here's a quick one. Confirming previous rumors, former Senator Jeff Sessions has officially declared he is running for his old Senate seat in Alabama. If he wins that primary, he would face Democrat Doug Jones in the general election reading from a story by Jennifer E. Duffy in the Cook Political Report. Quote, He still has an active FEC account with a balance of $2.48 million. But Sessions isn't a shoe in for the nomination. First, there is a crowded field of candidates who don't seem inclined to step aside for him. More important, unlike Sessions' previous bids, he is running this time wearing the heavy yoke of President Trump's animosity. Trump has a long list of complaints against his former attorney general, nearly all stemming from Sessions' decision to recuse himself from the Mueller investigation. And, as is his practice, Trump was not reticent about airing his grievances on Twitter. End quote. So, Sessions is in that primary and we will cover that more as it heats up. It's an interesting case because a Democrat currently has that seat, and Republicans are very keen to win it back. There are multiple viable Republican candidates there, all of them well-funded, who are running to do just that. And last up this week, let's listen to some highlights from last night's candidate forum on climate change, hosted by the Weather Channel. The show was called 2020 Race to Save the Planet, and it was a one-hour edited special. Now, this is very different from the marathon, unedited Q&A sessions we've seen so often in this cycle. This one featured eight primary candidates, including three Republicans, and they managed to fit a lot into one hour by using selective editing. So, the way this worked was they would present a question or topic area and then show a series of answers from different candidates who each sat for individual interviews. Now, most of those interviews were conducted outside, so here's some wind and other outdoor sounds coming up. I'm going to play you two clips, and there are links to more in the show notes. Because the candidates are introduced using on-screen graphics, I'm going to tell you first who's going to speak and what the topic is. Okay, first up, the topic is infrastructure. Basically, what are your thoughts on how climate change affects infrastructure in the U.S.? Now, we're going to hear five voices. First is Mayor Pete Buttigieg, then former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford, then Senator Elizabeth Warren, and then you have Dr. Rick Nabb, who's a Weather Channel meteorologist, asking the final question with an answer from former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld. Okay, with all that said, listen in. To me, this is part of the larger story of our need to invest in infrastructure across this country. And yes, building resilient uh, infrastructure and ways to combat uh, the uh, swamping of some of our our neighborhoods is gonna be an important part of that. I believe strongly in private property rights, and uh, I believe that, you know, people ought to have the, the ability to choose where they want to live. But we shouldn't subsidize them to to do certain things that they wouldn't do without the subsidy. We have got to, to change our infrastructure, to harden our infrastructure, to make our infrastructure more resilient to the climate change that is coming, to the rise in sea levels that are coming, to the flooding that's coming, to the wildfires that are coming. We gotta do this all around our country, Um, but we gotta figure out the smart ways to do it as we go along. So you're talking about uh, us in metropolitan areas along the coast, instead of building infrastructure to, to keep the sea out, uh, we'd have to retreat. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, building infrastructure to keep the sea out would be like King Canute commanding the sea to recede. Now, for those of y'all not familiar with that last reference by Weld, long story short, King Canute reigned in the 11th century over various European countries. In one famous but probably not true story, he stood before the sea and commanded the tide not to wash over his feet and get him wet. When it did, he used that as an allegory for the power of kings, not enough to stop the tide, versus the power of God. He was a very religious dude. And yes, there is a splendid Wikipedia article about all that in the show notes, but we have to move on. Next up, a clip on climate injustice. Basically, the topic is, who bears the consequences of climate change, and what do we do about that? The candidates who speak are Senators Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren. Listen in. When we talk about the folks who get hit hardest by environmental crises, uh, whether it's climate change or anything else, uh, those communities right now, as often as not, they're low-income and minority communities. Uh, rich people will always manage to uh, find a way to save themselves. Uh, They have the money and the resources to do that. Poor people, working people, people of color often do not. So we already know that in the the United States of America, you're seeing uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, worth of just health challenges uh, to people as a result of climate change. So for me, this isn't a distant issue. Uh, This is an everyday urgency because it's aligned in many ways with issues of environmental justice. I'm not gonna just say, oh, I'll study the impact on these various communities. I'm aware of them and I care about them. I'll study the impact on them. No, I'm gonna have them at the table when we're creating the plan. Um, Because frankly, these communities don't want us to just tell them what we've done to them. They wanna participate in telling us what they want and what they need. So when we, and as we, invest in cleaning up, I think it's critically important to say a set amount of this money, I think about 40% of this money, needs to go to the communities that have been hardest hit. So if you want to hear more, check the show notes for more clips. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, I am settling in for a three-day weekend. Not to rub it in, but Veterans Day is one of my rare days off, so no show is planned for Monday. But do not worry, I am saving up a boatload of stories for next week, including a bunch of policy stuff that's getting pushed aside because of all these big moves in the race last week. So, I look forward to getting back to our roots on the issues next week. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all on Tuesday. Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader.